Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Easter Sunday. All of our kiddos, if you have children and you want them, I think they have an Easter egg hunt and all. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that. Well, I already said it. <laughs> oh, well. Where it goes. Teaching or preaching the Word of God on Easter Sunday is not a difficult thing if you're, a, if you're a believer. You ought to be able to tell people that the essence of what we believe is God raised His Son Jesus from the dead. And it was just not just a religious event. It was something that encompassed the whole world because God so loved the world. Amen. Now, two por- I, I picked two portions of Scripture dealing with the resurrection. One in Romans chapter 5, the other in Galatians chapter 2. So if you want to turn in your Bibles there and mark them, let me kind of set the stage to read these particular Scriptures. Now, no matter how that man has educated himself, or no matter how man has advanced in technology, technology and, and uh, all that he, all, you know, all the modern conveniences that we have. We've seen the growth of knowledge, especially in the past 150, 200 years, we've seen ty- a kind of explosion of it. But behind the scenes, what has caused the explosion of much of the knowledge that's upon the earth is moves of God, revivals that have taken place, outpourings of the Holy Ghost, uh, 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 revelation from the Word of God. One of the greatest moves of God on the earth was the teaching. There was a teaching move in which the Word of God was expounded upon in simplicity and literally the Word of God began to operate on another level because it was getting into people's hearts on another level. And let me just say this. Uh, the Bible, the Word of God, that's our standard. We're, we're, we're what I would call literalist. You say you literally believe the Literally. Every, 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 uh, I even believe the cover. It's a holy Bible. Amen. I mean, from, from cover to cover, I believe the cover. Amen. And it lays out not only the history of man upon the earth and its timelines and all that's gone on, but also God's interaction with creation before and after one of the most premier events on the earth, which was the fall of man. The fall of man affected every one of us. We, don't, we may not understand that, but in reality, when man fell from God's grace and that which God had prepared for him in the Garden of Eden, man died. He died spiritually or he became separated from God. In that vacuum of that separation... Everything that was wrong with an entity that was in heaven named Lucifer, who was at one time a worship angel, downloaded itself into the human experience. The problem with that is, is before that download, God put a law upon the earth of seed time and harvest. Or that every seed reproduces after its own kind. The reproduction, the reproduction process how can I say it? The, re, the, uh, the reproduction in humanity became the process of the expansion of sin and iniquity across this planet. And in just a few cho- short chapters of the Bible, Lord, we're only, what, six chapters into the Bible in which God is saying, I got I to destroy this whole thing. Because in those few short years, The iniquity of man, along with some very illegal things done in the spirit realm, produced a race of people upon the earth that were violent and given to violence. So God destroyed and judged that group of people, but out of it, through an ark that he built, he saved a remnant. Everybody say a remnant. We know who that was. That was Noah and his family. Out of Noah and his family, man began to spread himself out again upon the earth still bound by that iniquity that was in him. Therefore, man still had violence in him. He still had immorality in him. He still broke the laws of God, not because of choice, but because it was his nature. That nature was tempered for a few thousand years 
by a group of people that began with a man named Abraham. Abraham, I don't know how, when, or why, but somehow he received communication from God. From that communication, fellowship began. Out of that fellowship came a relationship with God. And out of that relationship with God, God cut a covenant with Abraham. Out of Abraham's life, because God was supernaturally blessing him, his family grew into 12 sons. We know the story, how they went into Egypt. Those 12 sons in a 400-year period became a nation called Israel. God delivered his chosen servants, Israel, out of Egypt through 10 signs, wonders, and miracles, which were judgments upon their demon gods. Amen. Now, the purpose for the, for, the, for the interaction with Abraham, the purpose for his family, the purpose for the nation was to keep sacred and segregated a bloodline. Everybody say a bloodline. Because you understand the problem's in the blood because life is in the blood. Therefore, the blood is tainted by the sin of man and the iniquity that entered in but thank God when Jesus died upon the cross, he offered his blood seven, excuse me, he shed his blood seven times and offered it once on the mercy seat. Blood for blood. So through that lineage, which found its zenith in one of their kings. Does anybody know? His name was David. And in David, the Bible says God found a man that was like his own heart. And so through all of that history that took place in Israel, we call the Old Covenant, we see God's effort to get one individual on this planet. That individual was unique in that he possessed humanity, but also possessed deity in his being. He is the incarnate Word of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, did signs, wonders, and miracles and revealed the very nature of God. You want to see what God is like? Study Jesus. He is kind. He is compassionate. He is loving. He is giving. But he's also someone by his word and by his spirit that can take your life into his hands and create a life for you that you cannot create for yourself. I live a life right now that I could have never created for myself. No way. Even with education, even with the skills that I had before I got right with God, I could not have produced how I live right now. There's no possible way. It is the greatest life enhancement on the earth. You say, Pastor, if I just had a billion dollars. No, no, no. That's a much lesser life enhancement than the life of God on the inside of you. Jesus' arrival upon the earth, only two people actually more than just two, there was a group of wise men, two others that interceded and prayed, small group of shepherds heralded his arrival. Of course, a lot of angels were thanking and praising and worshiping God because they knew what was fixing to happen. He came to the earth as son of man. Everybody say son of man. Now that's relevant for us to understand, especially when it comes to receiving from his goodness, because a lot of times if we think, well, that's God, and that was all a God thing, and we're kind of all alienated from that, and you know, we're all really just a bunch, bunch of sinners just trying to rely on the goodness of God. That's all wrong. All of that's wrong. The purpose of God through his son Jesus was to bring upon the earth the individual necessary to do the sacrifice or to be the sacrifice for the sin that man created or for the problem that man got himself into back in the garden. God had a solution for it before it ever happened. He said before the foundations of the world, God had already crucified the Lord of glory. So we know he lived a, a sinless life at age 30. According to Jewish tradition, Jesus began to search for and found something that God was doing. He found it in the ministry of a man called John the Baptist, which was his cousin. And as he went to John the Baptist's ministry, something very unique happened to him because everybody else was being baptized in water, coming up out of the water and confessing sin. But Jesus, when he was baptized in the water, he came up out of the water, not confessing sin, but anointed by the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God anointed him God spoke over him and he began, now listen to me very carefully, 
He began a three and a half year ministry to demonstrate to the earth not what God would look like walking upon the earth, but what a man would look like in correct relationship to his God. You say, well, Pastor, that's kind of far-fetched because he did signs, wonders, miracles. He did. We'll just let that one sit for a minute, amen? But this crucifixion thing, we talked about it Friday night. If you need more teaching or more in-depth teaching, go and get Friday night's podcast. Listen to that. We teach on the cross, the significance of the cross. But crucifixion was a horrible, torturous uh, ex- way of execution that the Roman army had come up with. Now, Jesus, when he was on the earth, he did signs, he did wonders, he did miracles. He, he altered the course of nature. Calm the storm two different times. He altered the course of nature by taking just a few loaves of bread and a few fishes and feeding thousands and thousands of people. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He spoke the word of God. He demonstrated the power of the Holy Ghost. He had love. He had compassion. But I'm going to tell you one thing. He had disdain for religion. He did not like religion because he knew religion was false. And the problem with a lot of Christianity Christianity has fallen into religion where they deny the life and power of God while trying to get you to believe in Him? How does that work? But we don't do that around here. We like to declare Jesus is alive. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And everything He did in the Bible, He'll still do it on the earth today. And He's coming so quickly and coming so soon that the greatest mandate upon your life should be to serve God, not just to live a good life, but to serve God, to get into a good local church, to become a part of it and begin to move toward the things of God because this thing is going to wrap up and He's going to come back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle and you need to be in a glorious church. Amen? So as He lived upon the earth, He was not there just for the signs, the wonders, the miracles. The purpose of his life was to be the sacrifice required. Now listen to me. Required by the counsel of God. You say, what do you mean by that? The Bible says that God does all things after the counsel of his own will. So his plans and his purposes and that which he does comes from the power of the word that he speaks. And we realize that God sent Jesus to the earth so we could see his power demonstrated by the love of compassion, and mercy that God himself is. Oh, God is love, God is light, and God is truth. And for the first time since man fell in the garden, upon the earth came what? Hope. Thank God for hope. Hope for what? Hope for a new life. Hope that the greatest fear of humanity would be destroyed, which is what? The fear of death. Because death is unknown to those that don't know God. Amen, or, the, or what happens after death is unknown to those that, that, that don't know God. But Jesus came and made a way where there seemed to be no way. You say, what was that? He literally, one, one, one translation of Isaiah says this, he put his hand on the Father whom he could reach. Then he put his hand on man whom he could reach. We'd go home right now and I'd just be blessed, amen. <laughs> but that day in which they took him, Everything that was done in that great drama that was played out on that, on, that, on that short span of days, three days and three nights during the Passover celebration of the Israeli people, Jesus was taken by the Sanhedrin who were not the ruling or the governing body of that geographical era. They were literally the religious rulers. That's all they are. And they were allowed to operate so that Rome could keep a handle on the insurrection and rebellion of many of the rebellious Israeli people, especially some of the men. Therefore, they allowed, Roman government allowed Jesus to be taken. When he was taken, there was so much there. His, 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 his last supper, the betrayal of Judas, the betrayal of Peter, all that took place, all that happened. It's amazing the plan of God and how it, how it comes to pass. But they took him and they beat him. And they beat him in such a way, the Bible says in Isaiah 52, that his physical body was so marred and so beaten and so much in agony that you could not recognize it as a human being hanging upon the cross. Now why is that? Other men had died upon the cross. Other men had been beaten, killed with swords and spears. 
Why was this such an agonizing death? Because it was not just the death of a man upon a cross. It was the man that was able to accumulate your death, your sin, your sickness, your unrighteousness, Everything that was wrong with the human family, Jesus took it upon himself and died with it because he knew that death would create a separation from it. And then he rose from the dead to impart a new power and a new life available to the individual on the earth today. All of the whosoevers that would ever call on his name. Let me just say it like this. Jesus gives you power to live. I said, Jesus gives you power to live. Without Jesus, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how big your house is. I don't care how many cars you have, how big your business is. Without money, you are, I mean, without Jesus, you are existing till death runs its course, period. Amen? Uh, In the penthouse or under the bridge, it doesn't matter. You are existing till death runs its course. And death separates you from God at the point of death if you do not know Jesus. Boy, but if you know Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says the death of his saints or the death of those that know him are precious, are valuable in his sight because he loves you, he cares for you, he values you, and he demonstrates that love and value in the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ so that he might can get his nature on the inside of you and his nature is the nature of power. His virtue is power. Listen, the the power of the new birth is so awesome. You say, how is it? It can break drugs off of your life, perversion off of your life, depression out of your life, healing power of God. We've seen it heal broken bodies, twisted organs. I remember one time years ago when the church first started, when we just moved into our little building over on 45th Street, we had a lady come who they said she needed a liver, liver transplant. Remember that? And they gave her a dire, dire diagnosis, prognosis. Uh, they'd already given her diagnosis, but the prognosis was dire, the, the chances. Of, and you know, just, just by laying on of hands, just like we did here this morning, she went back to the doctor, and guess what they found? They found a brand new liver. Somebody came to me one time and said, well, you know, the liver is the, is the organ in the body that can regenerate itself uh, 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 better than anything else. Not when you've poured years of alcohol and crack cocaine and meth upon it. I guarantee you there are things that man does to his own liver that when God puts a new one in there, you know it's God. God is still in the signs, wonders, and miracle business. And he loves to manifest them because they are manifestations of his love toward us. Amen. Amen. Now, that morning, that's why I love that scene of that Roman soldier. Because it just gives us, I mean, uh, if, if man's imagination can give us that, what was the reality of it? Woo, my goodness. He took our sin. He took our sickness. He took our addictions. He took our depression. He took our pride. He took our hate. He took our prejudice. He took everything that was wrong with us and he died and went into the tomb and thank God we have been delivered from the power of darkness. says in Colossians. But the next part of that verse says this, but we have been what? Translated. Say, what does that mean? Everybody say, beam me up Jesus. You have been beamed into the kingdom of God. By faith in the operation of God through his son Jesus Christ, you have been born again. You've been put into a brand new family. You're no longer in the human family. You're in God's family. And now your future is brighter than the sun itself. For you will reign and rule forever with him in Christ Jesus. What a unique morning. When the women ran to the tomb and the stone was rolled away. The Roman government considered at that time, now it may be kind of hard for you to realize that, but at that time, Roman government was considered the most civilized government on the earth. They had rules, they had laws, and you also had an opportunity to be heard by a, by, by, by a judge. Which was which the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the were just brutal. They just went and killed everything, carried anything about laws. But Rome found another way to subdue and rule the world. And that was through the laws that they had and the different different outposts of soldiers that they placed around the world. 
Now, that law that was the law of the world, which was the law of the Roman government, declared Jesus innocent, pure, holy, right, for uh, three different times. Three different times. Then he did what? He gave Jesus over to the religious people who did what? Destroyed him. Religion still tries to destroy Jesus. He died with our sins. He died with everything that was wrong with us to deliver us from the power of darkness. And we could stop there and rejoice. But then he rose from the dead. Now, you know, you shout about that, but there's been other people in the Bible rose from the dead. But nobody rose from the dead forever. He rose from the dead forever. Now, hold on, hold on. That means there is one human being who lived on the earth who is now in heaven. Now, listen to me. He is now in heaven in human form. And the blood, material blood of God, the blood of Jesus, remains fresh upon the altar of God in which the sacrifice is made to release mercy. What is mercy? God's ability from stopping, God's ability to stop from happening to you what should happen to you? You say, what should happen to me? Live your life, good, bad, or ugly, doesn't matter. Die, go to hell. But an interruption took place 2,000 years ago. You say, well, pastor, is it really relevant or, or significant? What are you doing here? It's relevant and significant enough for you to be here on a Sunday morning when you could be doing anything else, but you chose to come to a place that talks about this, that expresses this, that, that, that enters into the drama of it itself in order to receive the benefit of it. Amen. Now, for a few short minutes, I just want to encourage you and expose you to that resurrection power. You say, why? Because it lives in you. It abides in you. You have not the not in theory or, or in religious rest. No, you have in essence, it's in you. As much as your breath is in your lungs, the spirit of God is in your human spirit. You are alive unto God through the death, burial, and resurrection. How can we not celebrate Easter on the earth when it is the only path to living and life on this earth? To the point that the Bible says if, anytime you see if in the Bible, remember that's a choice. If the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken, it will make alive your mortal or death-doomed body. That means if you got saved right there when Jesus walked through the wall and breathed his breath of life into those few disciples, if you died the next day and you're the person who has been in the grave, your body has been in the grave for 2,000 years, you've been in heaven. But when God sends Jesus back to this earth and that trump of an archangel sounds and the shout of God, every molecule of that human body will come back together in a glorified state and you will live forever in the presence of God. Now, if that resurrection power is in you, why would God lock it up as if in a vault and it not operate in your life? <laughs> I'm telling you, if you learn to tap into that resurrection, just knowing that it's there removes the ignorance. And see, our problem is, is we want to feel it. Oh, if I could just feel that power, it'd ruin you. Because when you didn't feel it, you didn't think it's not there. But God said the just shall live by faith.
Those that have been justified shall live by faith. Those that have been justified shall live by faith. Those that have been justified over and over in the Bible, seven different times. Those that are justified live by faith. Those that have been justified live by faith. You say, how do you, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? Because you know. That's how you know. Now, first scripture, real quick. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Uh, let's start up and start in, start in verse, uh, start in verse 3. Excuse me, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6. I'm looking at 5 and saying 6. I see you looking at 6 and saying 5, excuse me. <laughs> it says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. Now that's the new birth. That's being born again. Amen. Remember water baptism without the new birth is a sinner going down into water dry and coming up wet. He's a dry sinner, then he's a wet sinner. No, no, you must be born again. Thank God for water baptism, one of the uh, uh, great ordinances of the church. But it says this, it says, um, Know you not that as many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Everybody say death. So you got you a death. You got you a death. Think of, the, think of the billions of Muslims upon the earth. We love Muslim people. We're seeing them saved by the thousands. It's awesome what God's doing among the Muslim nations. But the Muslims pray a prayer. You know, they, they call God Allah, and they'll pray to Allah. They'll pray to God, and they'll say, Oh God, oh Allah, give us a death in which there is no life so that we might have a life in which there is no death. And they pray that over and over and over. Well, I'd like to tell the Muslim world, your prayer has been answered. Because someone has come and they have given you what? A death. You say, now why death, Pastor? Because you need to die. You don't need to walk out here and step in front of the bus. Coach wouldn't like that, amen? No, 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 that's not. Man, listen, man has never had a problem supplying himself with death. The problem is he cannot supply himself with a resurrection. Therefore God, <laughs> therefore, God has supplied you with a death that if you'll enter into it by faith, you can step out on the resurrection side. Yes. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism in, into his death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Well, Pastor, I, w- I just wish I could have a new life. You can! <laughs> he said, well, I've been saved 30 years. How can I have a new life? He says his mercies are new every morning. You want new? You got new. God didn't change it. Listen, he didn't come in and do a restoration job on the the human spirit. He didn't do that. Human spirit got tainted. It got got flawed. It got got messed up. It got broke. So he didn't come in and say, well, I'm going to fix it up like an old car. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it by by taking my, my own very son, the essence of life, and letting him die so that their identification with that death will be their death. They can die to sin. They can die to sickness. They can die to... You say, what does that mean? They can be separated from sin. They can be separated from sickness. They can be separated from unrighteousness. And in the vacuum of that separation, I'm going to pour in resurrection power. Let me read it here in the Amplified. I like it in the Amplified. It says, are you aware... No, excuse me. Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who, who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him, notice the word with him, by, the, by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. Don't act like an old dumb sinner. Act like a new creature in Christ. I like it. Listen to it. Listen to it in the Passion Bible. Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death, sharing in his death 
by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that the Father, so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have, oh, listen to this. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of this new life. You say, life has gotten kind of stale for that. Listen, that's self-inflicted, not God-inflicted. Listen, God wants to raise you up. God wants to give you new life. God wants to give you a hope and expectancy. He wants to put faith in you. And he doesn't want you just to hear about Jesus. He wants you to experience him on every level. Experiences are, 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 you build life on your memories and experiences. And I've had some, and I've been there and done that. I mean, I've seen the beautiful sunrises. I've been in the nations of the world and been on the great hunting trips and fishing trips, about the best you can go on. I've, 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 all of the wonderful things the earth has to offer that bring pleasure uh, to people. I've, I've experienced, but ain't none of it, none of it all put together and magnified a thousand times is nothing to compare to the glory of God that comes into your life when you get born again. And then you take your life and you go on an adventure to continually discover that glory. Amen. Uh, somebody ran into somebody the other day <laughs> and they said, you know, I've known you for 30 years. You've never changed. I said, what do you mean? I thought that was a kind of a derogatory term because, well, if I've never changed. No, he said, no, no, that's not what I meant. He said, you're as on fire as you were like when I first met you. I said, I, 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 I want, hope I have more fire. I'm more excited about God than I've ever been. I'm more expectant of the things of God than I've ever been. I'm anticipating all that God, we've been praying about and interceding. It's like a train coming down the track. You can see it coming. You can sense it coming. You know it's coming. And I guarantee you, as it begins to arrive in all of its glory and all of its goodness, we're going to be able to, in the midst of some of the darkest times the earth has ever seen, we're going to get to not just hear about Jesus, we're going to experience His compassion, His mercy, His healing power. His ability, every, you say, man, pastor, the world is so wicked. They're doing things that are so, listen, it does not matter. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And when we live in the reality of that resurrection power, nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible to those that believe. Galatians chapter 2. One simple scripture there in verse 20. We'll close with this one. Let me encourage you, you that are visiting, if you've got a good, strong local church you attend, praise God, you, you get fired up, you, you attend that church and support your pastor, do everything you can to see the move of God come into, into your church, wherever you're at, amen? You that come to Island Church, as I've said ever since, oh, I guess the last two to three years, I said much of our teaching and preaching now has kind of taken on the, the, uh, the vein of, of, of a warning. You say, what do you mean? Uh, well, you know, it's as if a storm is approaching and the warnings go up and the, they raise the, the hurricane flags. and You know, there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. And I, I gave the illustration on Friday night. I was coming back. I was preparing some property over in, in uh, Winnie uh, for, uh, for hunting season and was coming back and a tropical storm was approaching and I was crossing the High Island Bridge and looked back to the east across the White Ranch and I saw all these lights. And I thought it was people out there running around like in four wheelers and stuff, you know, having fun. And I called my buddy and he said, no, no, no. He says, they're cutting the rice. And I said, they're doing it at night. He said, they're cutting it. They're cutting it because the storm's coming. So they have to cut it in the dark. But he said, that doesn't stop them from cutting it. They just cut the lights on. That's the day we're living in. We're going to see the harvest come in. We're going to have to cut it in the dark. Thank God he gives us the light. Amen. Now, the essence, if you don't remember but one word, but one word, out of this entire message, remember this one word, the word identification. You say, why identification? Because that is a key word to unlock the mystery that is in the word of God about what God has done for you. In everything, now listen to me, in everything that Jesus Christ did upon the cross, you were included. Because his sacrifice was supernatural, it expands throughout the boundaries of geographical impossibility. Amen. Well, back then, you couldn't just get on an airplane and fly around the world, preach the gospel. 
And it also bypasses the barrier of time because it's timeless. So his death was your death. We just read that. His burial was your burial. In his suffering, he took your punishment. Amen. Nothing about him in any way was deserving of what he accumulated. And upon the cross, an acclamation of everything wrong with the human experience took place until the point in which he had it all. And when he had it all in agony on that cross, so his body so marred you couldn't tell it was a human being, that lump of agonizing flesh cried out, It is finished. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Unimaginable. God himself upon the cross dying for you and I. What a love. What a love. But not just in a symbolism that we hang and put or wear a cross to symbolize we believe something, but in a reality of spiritual new birth provided by God in which the human spirit can partake of the divine nature. Oh my God. And still remain human. Still remain human. So everything that God has done for us, He's done it in Christ. He he did in Christ what He wants to do in every man or woman. What does He want to do? He wants to start with your death. Not a physical death, a spiritual death. Where he takes and eradicates the old you and gives you a brand new, the Bible calls a recreated human spirit made in the likeness and image of God. Your human spirit, it don't want to get drunk. It don't want to do drugs. It don't want to live perverse. It wants to say yay and amen to everything it sees in the Bible. This scripture here sits atop of many scriptures that I begin to use to come out of a horrid life of drugs and crime. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved and gave himself for me. That, that, that one scripture is so profound. People say, well, the Bible is, it, it contradicts himself. Uh, Paul didn't hang on the cross with Jesus. That's what you think. Always remember, the Gospels, And the old covenant paint a portrait of what God's done for us. But the letters to the church are his x-ray where we see behind the scenes exactly what took place. There's a scripture, you don't don't turn there, but if you go study 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the apostle Paul is is saying some things to the church at Corinth and he makes this statement. He says, I've wronged no man. I've harmed no man. I've defrauded no man. Receive us. Well, you could have been one of the ones when he was Saul of Tarsus that was carried away to jail or you could have been Stephen's friend who was martyred and murdered with the permission of Saul of Tarsus. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You harmed me. You defrauded me. But he goes, no, 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 no. Saul of Tarsus might have done that. But see, Saul of Tarsus has died. He's died. How did he die? Oh, he was crucified with Christ. Now, can you imagine Paul's dilemma? I saw this in meditation one time. It really affected me. Because you know how the devil messes with you. Have you ever made a mistake? And the devil pick up your mistake and torment your mind with it? Well, all that he did when he was a zealot, a Jewish zealot trying to destroy the church was a mistake. Amen? And I can see him praying and crying out to God. He spent 14 years in the Arabian desert. Crying out to God, God, how can I preach? How can I go to the nations of the world? How can I preach the gospel? I'm so unholy. I'm so unrighteous. And as he began to cry out and cry out, I can see God show him a vision, maybe a vision of a cross. And Jesus hanging on the cross. And God saying, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Oh, I see Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. He's suffering. He's dying. Thank you, Jesus. He says, no, no, look again. What do you see? Oh, there's Jesus. He's, he, he's got a crown of thorns. No, he's got, a, he's got a gaping wound in his side. There's holes in his hand. There's stripes. No, no, look closer, look closer. What do you see, Paul? You're only looking in the natural. Open your spiritual eyes, the eyes of your understanding. What do you see? What do you see? And he goes, oh, my God. Oh, Lord, I see me on that cross. I see me dying. I see me in the tomb. I see me 
resurrected by the life and the power of God. Oh, uh, give me a scripture, Holy Ghost. I like that. I've been crucified with him. Now, can you remember the first time? Could you imagine what the first time he ever preached that must have been like? Especially if it's in the big Jerusalem camp meeting and conference, Holy Ghost faith crusade. And all of the apostles are there, Peter and John and Paul and Timothy. Then they're all sitting there and they're all amen. And, and then here comes Paul. And he wasn't a very good speaker, but he had a lot of power in his ministry. And he got up and said, well, you know, uh, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the... They're going, what, what, what? You were what? Well, we were all there. None of us saw you. They were looking at the portrait. They were looking at the portrait. There was so much in my life that I could not control, that controlled me. And I needed to die to it. So for, for 38 years, I've been saying, thank you, Father, I've been crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved and gave himself for me. He said, don't you want to smoke some weed? No, I died to that. Don't you want to go out and, 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 and party? No, I died to that. But see, then when I died to that, I came alive to some other stuff. It's so much better than smoking weed. So much better than doing all that other stuff because that stuff give you death. This stuff give you life. A couple more and I'll just, I'll, just, I'll, I'll close. Uh, amplified. I have been crucified with Christ in him, have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live. But Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith. Faith in, by adherence to, and reliance upon the complete, our complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Passion Bible. My old identity. Now see, there's a real key. Because I've been teaching and preaching 38 years a counter-identity. Because we draw so much, well, I'm, I'm male or I'm female or I'm, I'm Asian or I'm Hispanic or I'm, I'm black or I'm white. We draw so much information and we draw, we draw so much motivation from identification. But God says your problem is your spiritual identification is with death and with sin and with iniquity. So I've eradicated that and destroyed that and given you a brand new identification. Sure, you're, 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 you're a beautiful Asian woman. You're a handsome black man. But that's not really what you are. That's not what you are. What you are is a new creature in Christ Jesus. What you are is crucified with him. Nevertheless, you live. Nevertheless, you live. Yet not you, but Christ lives in you. What you are is the righteousness of God in Christ. What you are is the healed of God, the prosperous of God, the blessed of God. What you are is in the family of God. You're God's very own child, and he's your very own heavenly father. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. That's what your life is. <laughs> Glory to God. It is God dispensing the life of Christ in you. Your problem is your willpower is the regulator. Some people just get a taste. Get saved. Praise God. Church, ah, I'm busy. Amen. We all have got excuses. But in reality, all this is eternal. So go ahead and get involved in it now because it will empower you to overcome not only what's here, but what's coming. You say, what's coming? Jesus said of what's coming, there'll never be days before that were like it. And I think of some of the awful days of this earth, the wars, the rumors of wars, the famines. He said, there'll be no day like it. He said, in the past, and in the future, there'll not be another day like it. That's what we're entering into. And without the light and the life and the power 
of that resurrection that took place on that Sunday, on that, on that first day of the week, how are you going to make it? How are you going to get by? How are you going to face death? How are you going to live your life? These are eternal questions that only you can answer. So by your own human will, you must make a decision. That's the one thing God's not going to violate. But when you realize that when Jesus, this is, this is so good, when Jesus walked out of that tomb, when his blood was gathered, however they gathered it, when he entered into heaven and went into that most holy place, as described by the Apostle Paul, Hebrews 9.12, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for you. When you say yes to Jesus, all that that means in power and ability is put in you. And it comes online by you, your knowledge of it. If you don't know it, it doesn't work. If you don't know it, it's not there. But the Word of God provides not only the knowledge, but the understanding which imparts faith for by grace are we saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, least any man should boast. Here this morning, I was born again, saved. I made Jesus my Lord and Savior at age six, early in the year of 1962. Baptized in the Holy Ghost the next year. Lived for the Lord as a young child. To my early teens, got away from God. From the time I was probably 14 years old to the time I was 28. At 28 years of age, my life was destroyed by my own hand. Some of you may know what, the, may know what that's like. Because that's what life without Christ does. It destroys you. Feeding the appetites of the flesh. Allowing the negative emotions of the mind to develop hate, prejudice, all that type of stuff. In a, moments of, in a moment of time, kneeling in front of a TV on March the 7th, 1984, 38 years ago, 39 years ago now. 38 years ago, going on 39. I have no way to describe what happened to me. There were no physical feelings that I felt. There were no supernatural things that I saw. And I was bound. I know the power of drugs and alcohol and perverse lifestyle, how powerful it is. But in a moment of time, I prayed a simple prayer with Dr. Billy Graham on that television program. And I know I wasn't getting born again. I knew I was returning to God like the prodigal son. But as fast as you snapped your fingers, I knew I was right with God. And just knowing that instantaneously broke years of addiction, melted years of pain and hurt. And then it launched me on a journey to become whole, not just delivered, not just healed, but to become whole. That word whole, as it is described in the Bible, means the entire assembly of parts of your life put back together. Not the way it was before you had a problem. No, no, that's not what it insinuates. It's true insinuation in Revelation is God wants to put your life back together before so that your life can be what it was before man fell in the garden. That's unreal. I like what an old preacher said years ago. He said in creation, God put man in a garden. He said through redemption, God put a garden in a man. And God is the tender and the husbandman of that garden. Let me ask you a question this morning. What's growing in your garden? Is God growing it or are you growing it? I grew stuff in my garden for years and it didn't do anything but produce bitter fruit. Bitter fruit. But when I got me a God garden on the inside of me, and begin to discover what it was and begin to learn how to plant it and to keep the weeds out and to put some fertilizer on it 
and to let it grow and reproduce and replant and grow and reproduce and replant and grow and reproduce and replant and not just the material things, your character. God can change your personality. So I've just got a gruff personality. We can change that. Power of God and the Holy Ghost and the Word of God can change that. The expectancy of your life, the desires of your heart, your dream. What about your dream? Do you have something in your life that God has authored? The Bible says of Jesus in Hebrews 12, He is the what? The author and the finisher. A lot of times God authors things in people's lives, but they don't let Him finish it. Let's let Him finish it in our generation. So I want to do something real quick. We're going to receive a missions offering in a minute. But before we do that, I want to ask you this question. Where are you with God this morning? And I've not done this, but I'm going to start doing it this morning. Even you that are watching on the internet, where are you with God this morning? Are you living right? Are you doing right? Do you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Not just believe, do you know that? Do you know that heaven is your home? Have you made a public profession of faith? Or are you like me, like I was so many years ago? Are you prodigal? You say, what is that? You know the Father. The Father's blessed you. you. You've been saved, but you've left the Father's house. I like to say it like this. You're out of fellowship with God. You've had an experience with God, but it didn't, it didn't, it didn't turn into a lifestyle. So you've struggled with sin, and you've struggled with pain, and you've struggled with hurt. And sometimes the devil is so messed you up, and you think, well, what the heck? I ain't you serving God anymore. But the problem is the inside of you that used to enjoy that type of life is not there anymore. Amen. So he said, Pastor, I, I'm not living right. I'm not doing right. I need, to, I need to return. I'm a prodigal like you were. I need to come back to God today. So if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, it's so simple. He made it so easy. You don't climb a mountain. You don't invent some great. No, you believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth that this wonderful God that desires to be your heavenly Father that he raised his son Jesus from the dead and that he did it for you. And you personally accept that. Now, I've heard people say this. I've given altar calls in so many different languages in so many different nations. And people always struggle with this. Well, pastor, that's really a private thing between me and God. No, it's not. I don't know what religious voice convinced your mind of that, but it is not of God. God does not like closet Christians. He don't like it. He said, you you, you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. You deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. Listen, we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ. When he walked out of that tomb, honey, he walked out clothed in the righteousness of God's. His robes were clean. He was a beautiful specimen of a human being. He was God Almighty, the Son of God, the resurrected Christ. But honey, before that happened, he was naked on that cross, dying and suffering in public. And today, listen to me. Today in Jerusalem, I've been there and stood right on the spot of Golgotha's Hill. You know where it's at? It's right there where all the public transportation, where every public bit of transportation moves around Jerusalem. It is very public. Paul said it like this, I'm not ashamed. I was ashamed to get away from God, but I was not ashamed to come back, and I was not ashamed to live the life. I'm not ashamed to live the life, to be back and to serve God. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Where are you with God this morning? Are you in fellowship with Him? Are you building that relationship? Praying, studying the Word of God, being a part of your local church, working in the harvest of God, preparing for the last day when the trump of God will sound. Because He's not coming back for a bunch of lone wolves and rogues. He's coming back for a glorious church. He loves a united family. You say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need to be saved. I need to come back to God. Please pray with me. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Lift it high right now so I can see it. Anyone here? God bless you. Two hands. You can put them down since you've, once you've raised them. I see your hand. You can put it down. Praise God. Anybody else? You say, that's me. 
I need to be right with God this morning. I need to know when I walk out the doors of this church that everything between me and God is okay. Did you know you can know that? You can know it. So one more time, I'm going to look. Three have raised their hand. Anyone else would raise it? I see another hand. God bless you. And another hand. God bless you. I see your hands. You can put them down. Anyone else? Quickly. 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 Don't reject. Don't reject your day of salvation. Everybody look this way real quick. Now, you that have raised your hands, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar in just a moment. When I do, I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. When they stand, they're going to give a big hand clap and applause. And it's not for my preaching or our nice music or anything like that. It's for every one of you that raised your hand. Now, in that applause is a message. Amen? You say, what is that message? That message is we are not judging you. We're not condemning you. We're rejoicing with you because we did the same thing one day and we went down there and we got a brand new life. So that's what all that hand clapping is about. So church, if you would stand, stand if you will, amen. And everyone that raised your hand unashamedly, come down here right now. Come on. Y'all come on. Give them a hand clap as they come. Come on, sweetie. Come on. Give them a big hand clap. Come on, don't patty cake. Come on, buddy. Come on. Oh, come on. Rejoice. 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 Now, let me do this real quick just to be, just to be sure. You say, Pastor, I, I didn't raise my hand. But if you'd give me a chance, I'll come down there. If that's you, come on. Anybody like that? Anybody like that? Anybody? Well, wait just a minute. Let me wait just a minute. I know God's dealing with some hearts. I know God's de- Now, let me say this to you. Just, just so I won't take, but just a second. Let me say this. When you come to a church like this or a meeting like this and an altar call is given, and maybe God's really dealing with you. Maybe there's a voice in your head saying, go up there, go up there, go up there, but you don't do it. Now, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen. When you walk out the door... The enemy's going to get in your mind and say, no, you've done it now. You should have went up there. You know, Listen, don't listen to the devil. Just come back. Just come back and hear it again and come back and hear it again and come back. And hear I had a friend who was six months in meetings like this before he finally walked the aisle and gave his heart to the Lord. Don't quit trying. Don't quit coming. Amen. How, now, you guys, we're going to pray a simple prayer. Isn't that easy? <laughs> Don't you like simple prayers? But here's how we're going to do it. We're going to pray it out loud so our own ears hear it. Because that's who it's for. It's for you. Amen. Now, after we pray that prayer, no matter what your condition may be, whether you're just coming back to God because you may feel prodigal or you're making Jesus Christ your Lord, the Lord, your, uh, your, your Lord and Savior for the first time, after we pray the prayer, you settle it. Done. Say done. Say, say it's done. Now, that means this. I'm right with God and I'm going to stay right with God. You say, well, I don't think just one simple prayer can do it. Yes, it can. It can if you will allow it to. Church, are we ready to pray? Out loud. Heavenly Father, right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You sent him from heaven, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, did signs, wonders, and miracles, died on the cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. It's mine in Jesus' name. Devil, get out of my life. I do not belong to you. Jesus, I'm yours and yours alone. Empower me with that new life to live a life of blessing and adventures. I'm right with God. Easter Sunday, 2022. I'll never be the same. I've gotten right. I'll stay right in Jesus' name. Amen. Why are you on that cane? You got a cyst inside of your leg? It's painful. You want us to pray for you? Huh? Oh, they've already prayed for you. So we believe you're healed. So just walk in faith. Amen. We agree. God bless you. Go back to your seat. Be seated just for a moment. Father, thank you for this wonderful Resurrection Sunday, for your blessing upon your people, for the wonderful ones that stood in the altar getting right with God, getting saved, 
Father, start that adventure in their life today. Lord, I thank you that Jesus becomes real to every person by his word and by his power. And Father, as we leave today, we want to take that presence and that essence of this very service with us everywhere we go. Thank you, Father, that as we leave, your protection, your safety. Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh us. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Lord God. In our travels, highways, airways, seaways, railways, in our righteous labor of our hands, bless our businesses, bless those that work in the job place, bless our students, bless our teachers. We surround this entire county, this region, with faith and love, and we declare the protection and blessing of God. Father, thank you for the fire of evangelism in our heart. Let us be an answer to the prayers of people who are hurting and lost and confused. Let us be a problem to the adversary of humanity upon this earth. Let the revival embers blow upon them in our spirit and let them come into full flame. And Father, we thank you. The moves of God, the awakenings, revivals, and refreshings are right here on our midst now, and we rejoice in them in Jesus' name. Father, thank you as we leave today. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.